Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry. How are we doing, you guys? I hope we're doing well. We have a good amount of things to talk about, so let's get into it. We're going to start off on a positive note. It's a Monday. We're getting through it, right? Our Can I Get a Hell Yeah for this week goes none other than to Candace Dillard Bassett. She, it was announced, was released... The case Michael Darby tried to put against her has been officially dropped, dismissed with prejudice as of January 31st. We're starting this Black History Month just perfectly, right? According to the courts, they determined that basically Michael couldn't have a lawsuit against Candace because he signed a release to appear on Potomac. So what's the problem? That's it. It cannot be reasserted. It cannot go back in the courts by loser, by Gollum, by Ashy, by uh, Corona, <laughs> by Corona, Corona Extra, Corona Light, whatever he was. I'm so happy to be free of this man. And I'm sure Candace is, too. She actually um, released a statement after all of this went through, as she's wont to do, right? So she went to People. People magazine exclusively, it said, I am incredibly grateful to God for protecting me. I'm also grateful for common sense, the support of my family, and my incredible legal team for helping the plaintiff to get exactly what he deserves from me. Absolutely nothing. (laughs) 
So yeah, shout out to that. That's like an embarrassing way to lose a, a lawsuit. I think there are se- probably several ways that are embarrassing, but them being like, sir, you literally signed up for this. Go on somewhere. That's sad, baby. Like, I'm happy about it, but that's sad for him, which only makes me happier. So congratulations, Candace. Hell yeah. Moving on to our headline of the week. Oh, I really love this one. (laughs) This is a good one. It's coming from Entertainment Weekly. Here's why Demi Lovato sang heart attack at an AHA cardiovascular disease event. (laughs) Go on. Um, So apparently... She chose the song, which was maybe the first mistake for the American Heart Association's um, gala, okay? But she, the gala was on Wednesday. This was like the go red for women. You probably saw Heather Dubrow there. She was, you know, they all have, they have this like fashion show where they get like a bunch of different celebrities to wear red dresses in honor of like women, um, you know, promoting Uh, cardiovascular awareness among women, right? So (laughs) this was, like, very um, LOL'd at on the internet of, like, Demi, are you serious, babe? Um, But let us not forget that this is not the first time Demi Lovato has used music, her um, her own music specifically, to bring people together. But actually, I can't even say that because – the first time she did it, she was actually singing to um, who she thought were aliens. She had a, if you guys don't know this, in the early days of Peacock, Demi Lovato was an early adopter, right? She had her own special <laughs> on Peacock in which she was like journeying through, um, I guess at the time, maybe she had a hobby for UFO research and she had also um, had a had a um, an interaction with them or maybe a couple. So at the end, the season finale, this was so beautiful. So beautiful, this choice. They go into a dark room. So all we see is like, you know, that black light or whatever you call it. <laughs> uh, ver- you know, the, the night vision, right? Night vision footage of Demi and a couple of her friends in the darkness in this room. And in order to um, bring a connection, a a human alien connection, not not unlike the heart mind connection she did at the AHA event, but um, she decided to sing Skyscraper. Why, baby? And shout out to Joel Kim Booster, who actually went on Twitter and said that um, (laughs) he quote tweeted her singing um, a heart attack at the uh, cardiovascular awareness event and said, oh, she's probably going to sing a skyscraper at a 9-11 event. But you know what? I don't think she can anymore because she already did it with aliens and not to spoil it, but they did respond. OK, and it was a positive response. <laughs> so, she does say further along in there or the actually representatives for the event say um, that Demi spoke on the heart-mind connection. It was a sensitive moment intended to champion the women in that room. The very reason why Demi was at the event, okay? She did open with a beautiful intro on why she chose the song and addressed the room, talking about the mind and heart connection. It was actually a beautiful moment. (laughs) And, And I'm sure it was. I mean, I did see clips of it, and 
I'm going to be honest with you. I did giggle (laughs) the entire time because it's just like a headline you can't write. You know, it's just stranger than fiction. And so thank you. Most of the things that Demi Lovato does, if you if you pay close enough attention, are stranger than fiction. So if you want to add that into your repertoire, just something that'll make you smile throughout the day. Just put on a a Google alerts for Demi Lovato and just see see what happens. It's an adventure, I will say. Unfortunately, you guys, a horrific thing happens. I hate to tell you guys this, but our girl of the week is going to none other than Candy Burris for leaving me in my greatest time of need. Candy was down to the Grammys red carpet pre-show doing her little fashion commentary, okay? on E and in her red carpet interview before she did the show she did an interview in which she was like oh hey guys I'm actually leaving Real Housewives of Atlanta after 14 years thanks a lot diva down and the diva is me okay I'm upset so they're talking about it and she was saying that basically she had a revelation because cameras have been down with Atlanta for quite some time now and during this extra long break she was kind of like what's going on so she says a friend of mine was like why do you keep doing it and I was like well I think because I've just been doing it for so long it feels weird not to do it so I was just like you know what I'm gonna take a break I'm going to take a moment. It's been 14 seasons, and they allowed us to sit around for a little too long. But during that time, I had started working on a lot of things, and I got some nice big projects coming soon, so I'm super excited about those things. Okay, well, I'm not, Candy, okay? So what are we going to do now? And now we're just going to sit here and look at each other, okay? Y'all know that Candy was my ride or die. Like, I'm not typically precious about most of my housewives. If y'all leave, get put on pause decide to exit for other projects however whatever language we want to use for it it just usually doesn't affect me Dorinda was the last one that took a real hit for me okay it was my first and only fan cam <laughs> that I made in honor of Dorinda's exit and um I'm just like feeling very like caught off guard okay and I just feel like the e red carpet for the pre-show to the red carpet was not the way to announce this now it did go to variety very quickly but I think that's just because they were on the Grammys beat anyway so like somebody was already getting to typing on a Sunday afternoon anyway so I'm pissed off because I just like (sighs) like now I know how Vicky Gunvalson fans feel and that's just not fair to me you know like I didn't expect that and I didn't ask for that like I've been doing a lot of good in my life so like why do I have to feel that feeling that wasn't you know so I'm like processing that emotion it's just I'm like just like very upset about it and you know maybe I'll have some more you know well thought out thoughts later this week but just for now I'm just like a whirlwind of emotions if you guys could be patient with me I would really appreciate that so You know, usually I do end on a low note before we go (laughs) into our TV reviews, but um, being because of the emergency that happened, I decided to end on a high note because I have to get out of my funk and my attitude. (sighs) So 
a lot of you guys, a lot of the time throughout the year will ask me what shows that I'm watching that I don't talk about, that I don't actively recap, what non-reality shows I um, watch. And so I'm going to give you guys a couple of, excuse me, a couple of uh, recommendations one for a documentary, one for a non-reality television show. Starting with a documentary, uh, Netflix just released a, it's called The Greatest Night in Pop. It's all about the making of We Are the World and all of the logistics that went into that. Because you think, it, I don't know, actually I had zero thoughts about the making of We Are the World before it occurred to me that I should have one. I'm going to be honest with you, but I will say that... Um, There were a lot of logistics that went into it, and I was surprised about that, and I thought it was very informative. A couple things that stood out to me, I don't want to, like, spoil anything, but there were a couple things that we could just discuss really quickly, right? Sheila E. was part of it. And so they all, you know, obviously they all recorded this in one night. It was a bunch of people that they had to get together, celebrities, um, you know, the major, major players in pop and rock music at the time, you know, you're Bruce Springsteen at like one of his hottest peaks, you know, this actually really gave me a thought because seeing an eighties, you know, born in the USA era, Bruce Willis, (laughs) have I been saying Willis? Did I say it both times? (laughs) I think I did. (laughs) The second time it hit me Springsteen. Okay. (laughs) A born in the USA era Bruce Springsteen, although 80s Bruce Willis, as we know, could also have gotten it. Um, But seeing him in the 80s, I'm like, damn, this man has never had a decade that since I've been alive that he couldn't get it. You know, this We Are the World was a year before I was born. But like, you know, I wasn't even conceived yet. But like in utero. I would have said he could get it. And that's gross. I'm sorry, Bruce. The point is, I was thinking like, because they're interviewing him also in 2023, I presume, right? And he's fine now. And so it just made me have a thought of like, there are men or really just people who were like, you know, just uh, for all ages, their ages, right? For all um seasons they're just always fine like a Bruce Springsteen and then there were men there that were like just hot for the 80s and then I'm trying to think of who I who I was looking at but I was like oh you're really like 80s hot oh like a like a Van Halen right I think they were one of them was in there the blonde one (laughs) well like just pick literally it doesn't matter pick literally any guy from the 80s uh, like a hair metal band save for like maybe Tommy Lee all of them are still like you look at them now and you're like oh I can tell that you were hot in the 80s and you can't let that go whereas Bruce Springsteen Bruce Willis Bruce Springsteen is has been hot every decade and it shows like I can tell, oh, you're hot currently, and I can also see that you've been hot and you don't know anything different, you know? And so I just think that was was just very interesting. Like, look at anybody from Van Halen now, and and you see that they're living in yesteryear, whereas Springsteen has been cruising, just surfing USA 
through the decades, and God bless them for it. You know, we're all happy. (laughs) We're all better people because of it, I would say. Okay, my other thought is... um, They interview Sheila E., okay, and this was um, all recorded the same night as that year's American Music Awards, and so Prince was there, like, he was obviously hot shit at the time, and so they wanted him to be part of this project, so they invited Sheila E., and the current day Sheila E. is being interviewed and talking about, like, what a special moment this was, what a special night, so honored to have been asked to be in the room with all these celebrities, you know, Steve whatever's face from um journey and like dan Aykroyd and all them right and then they're doing like they're breaking up how they record this so they're doing just like the group chorus you know the we are the world parts first and then they let you know whoever leave to pare it down to the people who were just recording the solo parts so Sheila E thinks she's been tapped to do a solo interview and they're like kind of lollygagging around her there and they're like hey girl so while we wait we're just like fine-tuning your microphone do you think that prince is gonna come and she's like knowing in her mind no prince is not coming he would never come to something like this but she's like, oh, I don't know, like, whatever, like, you know, just, like, being nice. But they keep asking her. And then at some point it clicks with her, oh, they've only asked me here and to do the solo because they're hoping Prince will show up and either we'll do it together or they'll just be like, oh, hey, sorry, girl, thanks for Prince, bye. So she ended up leaving and was like, I don't think this is for me. Like, basically straight up accuses Lionel Richie, who was one of the heads of uh, getting everything together for everybody of like using her to get to Prince and I thought it was interesting that they were that she addressed that and they put that in the final edit and yet they didn't address or ask Lionel Richie what his side of that was because it was like sad that she had all these great memories and then she realized that she was being taken advantage of and was like well I'm just gonna dip why didn't they ask him about that? Since he was like one of the biggest um, narrators of the documentary. That that was interesting to me. Okay, my second thing is like truly no disrespect to Cindy Lauper. Like she was that girl and still is, you know. But <laughs> there's a part where during the solo ish uh, solo parts, she's doing like a three part harmony with. Honestly, I don't know who this woman is. She looks like, and this is, again, no disrespect, one of the characters from Guess Who. That's where my facial recognition goes. Clearly, she's a singer. She had a lovely voice. I just don't know where she was from. But anyway, her, the bob was bobbing. So it was her. Who was the guy? Oh, um, Huey Lewis, Cindy Lauper, and Lady from Guess Who are all like on one mic and they're going to be doing a three ending in a three-part harmony right <laughs> like <laughs> cindy lopper just has this voice it's just like she clearly has control of it but it sounds like she just like Bleh! like just sings <laughs> and it's just like like free like her voice is freaking out or she's opening her mouth and just like whatever just comes out and it's happening and guys if you watch this 
they pull away at one point and you can see Michael Jackson watching them record this and he is like in the microphone right next to them and he is watching Cindy Lauper. And like again, no disrespect, but like let's be real, like eighties, mid eighties Michael Jackson and Cindy Lauper were doing two very different things. So like this man was controlled down to those pseudo military uh, you know, outfits that he would wear. The black and golds. <laughs> whatever army that was and she was just like you know kicking down the lower east side and like punching guys and calling women broads you know just like hey hey guy you know like they just weren't really unless they were at studio, studio 54 together probably weren't you know like i just imagine that michael jackson wasn't like listening to shebop in his private time that's just my guess you know can't ask him right so to watch him watch her and like to try not to laugh and then there's <laughs> there's one point where I think he I honestly like let me know if he watches it was Michael Jackson being intentionally shady or was he like legitimately being like what's going on because she's got you know all this 80s chunky jewelry that she's wearing all these earrings a stack of uh bracelets and necklaces so as they're recording Michael's like, wait, wait, Cindy, can you stop? Because it sounds like every time you start singing, it sounds like people are laughing in the background. And she's like, hey, who's laughing at me? <laughs> it turns out nobody was laughing. It was just like the clinking of her jewelry when she was moving and singing that there was picking up. But like, Michael, were you laughing at her? And you just like, uh, here's how I bring this up. Because you couldn't contain yourself. It, just, it was giving. He was like, girl, what? I gotta stop this by any means necessary. Okay. I'm just gonna say that people were openly bullying you. <laughs> that man. I mean, let, let's not go there. Moving on. Um, what was my other thing? Oh, <laughs> I'm just gonna leave you with this. I'm just gonna put put it out there. And which, whatever you interpret from this is how you interpret it. Okay. On this faithful night, the greatest night in pop, both Stevie Wonder and Ray Charles are there. And at some point during the evening, Ray Charles says he has to go to the bathroom. And Stevie Wonder says, oh, I'll take you. And then he takes him by the hand and leads him to the restroom. And that's all I'm going to say about that. The second show that I want to talk about is FX has a show it's the second part of the Feud by Ryan Murphy series. Don't worry. I am I am well, okay? Don't worry about it. He has nothing to do with either the writing or the directing. He did what we've been wanting Ryan Murphy to do for years, just throw money at the problem and let us figure out how to execute, okay? And that's exactly what happened. It's being directed by Gus Van Sant. It's being directed by Jennifer Lynch, David Lynch's daughter. Um, it has a great writing team. So this is great. And it's also stacked with what I'm calling the divas live of white actresses who play the most damaged women, like usually wealthy, but just like something's going on. Okay. Like, and I could not be happier. We have Calissa Flockhart. We have Naomi Watts. We have Demi Moore. We have uh, Chloe Sevigny. 
Like, just like bad bitches from wall to wall. There are more. I won't spoil it for you if you don't know, but it's about Capote, Truman Capote versus the Swans. Truman Capote had, uh, you know, um, here's my elevator pitch. He had like a gaggle of bad bitches, these uh, socialites of the time that he befriended. They were friends for years, decades in some cases, right? He called them his swans, his like beautiful little women who like they look so incredible, but you don't know what's going on. You know, they're paddling four times harder than a duck underneath the surface, but the appearance is something beautiful. So it's basically about like, you know, kind of the beginnings of their relationship, but also how Truman Capote, who was like in his uh, flop era in terms of writing, um, basically threw all these women under the bus and used their friendship to, um, you know, put it, put pen to paper and expose all their like shitty rich white lady lives. And so they decide, Oh, he had it coming and they're going to like ice him the fuck out. So it is just like perfect. It's cozy. Mm. It just aired last week. There only been two episodes. My only complaint with FX is I'm sleepy. Okay. Like why are we releasing, doing a season premiere two hour long? It was actually two hours and 15 minutes long airing, starting at 10 PM. Excuse me. And and the shit's dark. Like, the cinematography is just very giving, like, go to sleep, okay, little girl? And so I could only get through one episode. It was riveting, but I'm just, like, ready to get into my REM cycle. Like, I can't devote another hour. I already did 115. So it was great. I had to watch the second episode the next day, but, like, I was having the time of my life. So if you guys want a new show to latch on to, I would do that. And you know what? Honestly, I'm going to give you guys a warning since we had how many months of that damn writer strike. I think you might want to latch on to a show now because it's going to get real slim pickings here for about eight, like nine to 18 months here. OK, we're not getting in just like that until next year. By the way, I forgot. <laughs> I forgot to mention as one of your like a foremost and just like that, investigative journalists, I would imagine. I really dropped the ball on this, and I apologize. If you guys don't know, Sara Ramirez, who played Che Diaz, you'll notice I use that in the past tense, um, randomly one day was uh, posting pictures of them, um, you know, protesting about, you know, a ceasefire with Palestine. And in the caption or Instagram story, I can't remember how they disseminated this information but they said that like basically dropping very subtle hints that they had been fired from a certain show because of their stance on palestine something that has been happening in hollywood um you know has happened several times and um juliana margulies by the way we're still waiting for you to get fired okay google that story if you want to know what's going on with her what she said a few months ago but anyway Sada said something along the lines of like they had been fired because of their stance on Palestine and from and just like that. And then it came out that that actually was not true. That's that's not true, Ellen. Um, Apparently what happened was the inevitable, which is that Che's character got dropped because, as we all know, We've been in this torture chamber with Che Diaz since the be- 
beginning and we've been like please please get this person off of our screens like why and so the article says the storyline wrapped up with Che like their storyline last season with them rotting on their couch smoking weed all day because they're comedian their um comedy concerts weren't doing anything and that um sitcom with uh uh tony danza didn't go anywhere and they just like couldn't get out of their funk and then they ran off of some millennial at the end of the season they're like there's just no story left and nobody liked your character anyway so no it had nothing to do with your stance on palestine it had everything to do with the fact that che diaz is annoying which honestly is like the most shady as way to go out you know because like if if that had been true i would have been rocking with you you know i would have been rocking with you babe in solidarity but the fact is no it's not your political stance because lest we not forget um cynthia nixon has also been very vocal about her support of a ceasefire with palestine so it's not that because then they would have had to do something at least a little slap on the wrist for cynthia nixon but she remains it's just that jd has was knowing and that's funny to me so <laughs> is that all I think that might be all for us. Yeah, moving forward, we're going to be doing recaps about um, starting off with Southern Hospitality and then ending with the traders. So I hope you guys enjoy. And as always, if you want timestamps to skip around, they are in the episode description. So let's move on. At the end of the day, I know what's best for me. And I wish that conversation stayed between you and I, and I would have appreciated that, especially because you're very, very aware that these people have not been very, very nice to me. You putting words in people's mouth just is not a good look. I'm not putting words in people's mouth. Yes, you mouth. said we were making fun of you. I don't know what you can't get through your f-ing mind, but Joe Bradley showed me this group chat and I was sitting there crying about it. I don't know if you know who the f- I am, but I'm Maddie Reese, bitch, and I look forward to never having to see you again. I don't work with you and I don't have to f-ing ever see you again. See you tomorrow on the flight. I'll change my flight, bitch. All right, you guys. Let's talk about Southern Hospitality, another banger. This episode was called Hurricane Maddie. I don't know. I think this was maybe like a like a tropical storm. What's even lower than that? Just like heavy winds. I don't know. But let's get into it, right? Everybody wakes up hungover. We're in Miami. The night before was a lot. Everybody was taking shots of each other's bodies, licking each other, kissing, the whole thing. Mia and Lucia do wake up in the same bed together. She does not share it with Bradley. However, Mia does tell Lucia, um, just so you know, I did put my ear up to the door with you and Bradley, and I did hear some noises. And then... Lucia's like, okay, well, we did have maybe a little interaction in the shower. And then Lucia tells us in a confessional that she actually has a little bit of a fetish for, like, the shower with the glass door vibe, which her room just so happened to have. So, you know, why not utilize it, right? Then we hear Brad's side of the story where he's telling Mikkel on a FaceTime that, Oh, you know, I helped Lucia wash her curls out. The way this man uses wordplay, just say you fucked her. I mean, I, I think I think I would rather you say that. Like, oh, I just, I washed her curls out. Ew. <laughs> Ew. Lucia is also standing on business from the night before. Like, Oshin 
this dicking down that she got from Bradley in the shower did not cloud her memory from you acting the damn fool at that volleyball court. And she's like, it looks like it a very specific apology from him to me and to you, Mia. He needs to not speak to us, right? So right at this time, knock, knock, knock. Here comes O'Sheen being like, oh, I fucked up, blah, blah, blah. I feel like this guy is a liability. Like, we all know at this point that he was the guy who, I said it a few weeks ago, that he had um, touched up on Lala, but it was actually Charlie um, from Vanderpump Rules. And I believe this was in Mexico, or maybe it was at a at a pool party that they had. But he was, like, touching up on her, and she was like, you know, she's got a boyfriend, and even if she doesn't, like don't touch me and he was being weird about it and clearly like blacked out drunk dude like what's the problem you know like that kind of thing seems like a pattern of behavior for him i don't know why we're keeping this man on air and also giving him this sympathetic edit of like he just doesn't know oh gee golly gosh like no bro i don't want to hear this and i don't like it okay he does give him a pretty good apology like very thorough you know probably He's had to do several of them, I would imagine. So he's probably got it down. They both accept. They move on, you know. O'Shane does say in a confessional, like, the truth is I fucked up, you know, blah, blah, blah. We'll see, right? So they all decide to, they don't decide to. They're, the activity for the day is that they're going to take a bus to some dude's yacht. Like, it was truly giving Joe Bradley, how many times have you been to Dubai? How many passport stamps how many stamps in your passport for Dubai do you have? Because it's giving. Like, he just talks about this man whose name that we don't even hear that happens to like Republic and wants to return the favor by just giving these chuckleheads a yacht that he owns in Miami and they're just cruising up. He's got a staff, you know, like a three-person staff on the boat. It's like a whole situation. And again, like, who is this man, Joe? Do you know anything about Stranger Danger? Like, what did you have to do to get this yacht, sir? Because, uh, no shade, but, like, the bottle service that... I know Joey Bottles is your alter ego, and he's very important to you, but I just feel like, even at Joey Bottles' best, I don't think it's translating to yacht time with full staff for your eight friends, or however many there are. I'm not going to count. It just seems a little sketchy to me. Like, Joe, I don't know. So on the boat, they all played basically truth or dare. Emmy tried to make it like hot, hotter, hotter. It was truth or dare. I don't know why we had to make it a different name. But anyway, they dare somebody like, oh, go through somebody's photo camera roll, right? And they go through O'Sheen's, which begs the question. I wish I could remember who asked this or who brought this up. But they brought up a great point of why is O'Sheen able to flaunt the fact that he's on OnlyFans and we get to see him do his photo shoots and, you know, drown himself in his chest with 2% milk. Why do we get to see that? But season one, just last season, they all went on a boat, like somewhere in Charleston. Mia twerked and they posted on some of these Instagram stories. And there was this whole thing where Mia's being told, like, you need to represent Republic wherever you are. And this is not a good look. You shouldn't be doing this. But the the OnlyFans is cool. Okay. Y'all know I don't care, but I will call out an inconsistency when I see it. 
Anyway, the boat's name, by the way, I forgot to mention, is Policy Limits with the um, the S in limits was a dollar sign. And I'm just sorry. Like, at this point, it's giving money laundering. It's giving Rico. Like, it's kind of a boat divided emotionally because Brad is being equal parts extra horny and flirtatious towards Lucia. But also he's upset with Maddie still and the fact that it's like her big night to DJ. He's not really feeling her right now and he's being very shady about it. Emmy's also feeling some type of way about Maddie. So she tries to talk to Grace about like, how do you think it would go down if I tried to navigate talking to Maddie? Working on our relationship because I really think the whole reason Maddie's upset is because she doesn't know how to separate work and friendships and I'm just trying to move up in my career that's all okay I want to be head blue dress on Thursdays but Grace Lily is like yeah I, I know you are I know you're trying to be very ambitious here at Republic Garden Lounge and I'm telling you that's gonna step on some toes in the process but Emmy's like no it's just more it's more it's more than me taking Maddie's position. And that's what hurts because we used to hang out all the time, right? And Emmy says that really even up until last week when they were, you know, doing their free label labor for Pride, when Maddie was screaming about how none of them have been friends with her except for Joe Bradley in the past year, she thought that her and Maddie had some sort of friendship like no other. Like, we see each other kind of vibes. We're sisters. We're doing, like you know, pat a cake with each other and braiding each other's hair. Like, they really loved each other. But now it's like nothing. So Grace Lily tells Emmy, well, you guys were also talking about her weight. I think Maddie might have a problem with that. Oh, excuse me? Oh, what happened? So Grace Lily confesses in a confessional that Emmy's kind of giving Regina George at this point. She's acting like she has no idea why Maddie's upset But she's being two-faced. So then Emmy explains that what she did was that there was some New Year's Eve party that they were all at. Maddie had been going through it with uh, Travis. Trevor. Emmy thought that Maddie had lost a lot of weight. So she tried to have a little side conversation with her at the party. She says that everything was fine. Like Maddie didn't freak out. She didn't seem upset. They actually hugged afterwards. It was no big deal. Like, it was an actual genuine conversation. But then, apparently after that conversation, Emmy took it to a group chat that was basically like, uh, you know, the Kardashians, not Courtney group chat, which is everybody involved except for Maddie. And so Emmy brings up this, oh, I talked to Maddie about her weight. And Joe showed her just a portion of the conversation where it shows everybody talking about her weight in a way that made it seem like they were trying to make it a salacious, like, LOL situation, right? When Emmy says that she was genuinely just talking to her out of concern, and she also brought it to, like, you know, the eight other people in the group chat out of concern. Okay. Okay. So, basically, after that, Grace tells her, I don't know, maybe just tell Maddie that you want to get back to what you were. I don't know what to tell you. But then she immediately runs to Maddie and tells her, Oh, I just talked to Emmy. She's upset about your relationship. She wants to talk to you. Maddie says in a confessional, Emmy has snaky, snaky tendencies. She just thinks that she has a fake friend in Emmy. Like, then that's it. So Maddie ends up approaching Emmy about this. And Emmy starts a conversation. They're just on the boat, breezing. There's, like, clouds, a storm starting to brew. 
very poetic, right? So Emmy starts a conversation. She's like, listen, I feel like we had a really great friendships, but things kind of went left. And then we find out the full story from Maddie, which is when she tells us that Emmy took this, like I said, the weight conversation to a group chat that included everybody but her. Joe Bradley showed it to her. So Emmy's like, no, I really was concerned, but I'm sorry because it was not my intention to hurt you. And Maddie just goes, wah, <laughs> wah. <laughs> so then Maddie says in a confessional, trust was broken straight up when she saw that group chat. And now she's really done with all of them. So the group after that goes to Oshin's friend's house to pregame before Maddie's DJ session. I don't know. When I mean pregame, I mean like the chicks were there in towels doing their makeup all together. <laughs> Why couldn't we have done this at the hotel? Like, they were, like, pre-pre-pre-gaming situation. Emmy tells Lucy and Mia, you know, Joe ratted out all of us with this group chat situation. And Mia's like, oh, that's really interesting. Really fucked up a Joe. And I wonder if maybe he just rolled up a little bit to show Maddie the whole conversation where he was also talking about shit about her, talking shit about Trevor and their relationship. Meanwhile... Maddie's with her crew, crimping her hair with Joe and Grace Lily, telling them what happened, that Emmy was being a little snake, and that, like, half of those people have problems with her, but then they want to, then they want to go on a trip with me. <laughs> like, Maddie, this is not your trip, first of all. Secondly, you guys are on a show, this is a cast trip, so. You got this job spinning on the ones and twos through Oshin, and also through the show. This is not your trip, that's my point. So Emmy's really on a tear, like, making sure that everybody in that group chat knows that they were exposed. So she has to run over to Will and Brad to tell them about Maddie seeing the group chat also. And how she thinks that Joe must have sold it to Maddie. Like, they were all just talking shit, right? And that actually really pisses her off, and it's a shitty move. They're all upset. Like, Will's upset. He's amped up at Joe. You know, they're like bros, right? So everybody goes to the club. And Bradley is like, um, hey, does anybody want to take a shot out of my ass? So he must have drawn the straw this week for, for cheek cheek display on Southern Hospitality. We just got him a couple weeks ago. It's interesting that he came back again so quickly. So then Lucia, out of nowhere, looks over and Brad is just flirting with this woman. And when I mean flirting, I mean this man is like... Did he talk to, oh, who was that man from VH1? The, 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 like, man code talk mystery? That was his name. The guy who, (laughs) who had that show about, like, be mean to women, basically, and, like, make sure that your, um, flavor saver little hair is skinny and the sharpest little upside down triangle. And, and gel that hair up into, like, a little faux hawk. Th- those were his rules. Dye your hair jet black. Get the Revlon jet black box dye. Be mean to women. Wear thick boots. And get that flavor saver sharp as possible. What, what was I talking about? Oh, the way he was coming on to this woman. Like, she's like, oh, are you happy I'm here? He's like, I'm happier every minute I spend with you, baby. What are you what are you doing, hey girl? <laughs> like, sir. How do how do I get to know you? How can I uh peel back the layers? Ew. Aren't you like twenty seven? Like how old is this man? <laughs> it's 
it's really hard to tell. I was like, is Bradley like 22 or 47? Like, I really don't know. Wouldn't be surprised one way or the other. Okay. So he then picks up on the fact that Lucia has picked up on the fact that he's flirting with this chick. So he goes over her to her like typical fuckboy move. Hey, hey, what's up? What's going on? You okay? You okay? And she's like, um, how was the conversation with that girl at the bar? How'd that go? Just so you know, I do have my eye on you. Okay. And so his only response was, well, just seemed like last night we went to like from like zero to 100 in like the span of three hours. So you good? (laughs) What? So unfortunately, Lucia is like cool girl about it. Yeah, I'm like totally good. Like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. So they're like back, back on third base with each other, right? He lies. Let's be real. He lies in a confessional and says, they ask him, oh, was this your way of testing her? <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, it really was, you know? No, it wasn't. You wanted to flirt with this woman, then Lucia found you, and then you wanted to act now like this was some master plan that you have. I don't know, okay? But honestly, I can't even focus on that because apparently Maddie has a song that she produced called Wavy Baby. In honor of, clearly, our wavy queen, Grace Lily. And I haven't heard it yet, but I will be hitting Spotify immediately when I'm done with this, okay? Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Whatever songs was emanating, the wavelengths, the BPMs, whatever, clearly worked on Grace because she takes her little Star Star Trek glasses from behind that DJ booth with Maddie out to the dance floor and the way hot people connect with each other is so funny to watch it's it's wild because all she does is go out on the dance floor finds this mario lopez lookalike and she's like hey you feeling good yeah i'm feeling good where are you from uh, chicago and then they just start making out with each other like what <laughs> how you feeling where are you from okay the next morning maddie's still upset that everybody's fake i guess whatever girl so she decides to sleep in. She doesn't want to do water sports with everybody. O'Sheen wakes up with a woman. They are, like, cuddled up in bed, like, breath, breathing in each other's faces, arms locked in embrace with each other while they're sleeping, like, simpatico, okay? Like two little puppies, face-to-face, snout. 
<laughs> Let me not call that woman a dog. Um, but snout to snout. Um, but Bradley goes to the room. He just like he points at her, points right at her finger, and goes, "Are you married?" And she is like, um, <sighs> and then she looks down at her hand. It's this two carat solitaire on her ring finger, like she's never seen it before. Um, what do you mean? Oh, that? Oh, um, I don't know. I think she said, I don't know. <laughs> Baby, whatever Oshin gave you, I know it wasn't worth it. I know it was not worth it. So after that, everybody's getting ready for the night, right? Maddie's getting her glam done and she's telling Grace Lily. She just really needs more time to trust Trevor. Like, we're in such a back and forth with her. She's going from screaming at everybody, saying that her conspiracy theory is that everybody is rallying against her because of Trevor. When she starts dating Trevor, that everybody just, like, wants to make her life hell. Okay, girl. But also, it's like, I don't even trust him, and I don't know what to do, and I'm not sure where our relationship is, and we really need to spend more time with each other so I can figure out how I feel. And it's like, okay, well, maybe we're just projecting. Maybe that makes more sense than everybody, most of who are in relationships that really don't seem to have time for this. Like, Emmy's gunning for your position at Republic Garden Lounge, whatever it is, head... Champagne woman, I'm not sure, but um, I just feel like they have other priorities and not like trying to make your life hell specifically because you have a boyfriend that they don't like. It just seems like why would they go through the energy of like I could see, okay, you have a group of friends and they don't like your boyfriend and that they like make things weird or things become weird. You guys don't hang out as much. They don't really include you. That I understand. What I don't understand is why they would like be like, we don't like him. So we're going to make other aspects of your life bad. <laughs> like that, that's the part where she loses me. But let's move on because after that, they have their final dinner. Emmy asks everybody what their high and low is, what their rose and thorn is for the trip. Blah, blah, blah. I don't really give a shit. Bradley uses this to be shady, which I do give a shit about. He goes, you know, my high would be connecting with Lucia more and also playing mind games of getting caught flirting and then acting like I was doing that all along to make her jealous and, like, solidify our relationship more. Uh, But anyway, my low would be hearing about you, Maddie, lying about me getting head in the dumpster last year. And uh, this story has really evolved because I thought it was yesterday it was behind the dumpster and now you've, you're inside of it, <laughs> which really, you know, escalates the story for me. I don't think that's what happened. But Maddie says, no, that's actually not what happened at all. And Bradley goes, well, I had dinner with Mikkel and he cleared all of that. He said he didn't see me and that this is all a lie. So Maddie looks over at Grace to like find an ally in her and was like, no, remember it was me and you and Trevor and Mikkel. And Grace is like, well, I actually didn't see anything, so I can't back that. Like, if it was in the alley, then, you know, whatever. But I'm not going to lie about what I saw or didn't see, right? Then Grace Lily says in a confessional, I didn't see anything. If I had seen something, then I would say that I had seen something, but I didn't see anything. So maybe I was like in the stars. I don't know. I don't know where I was. So now Maddie's all alone, right? (laughs) And even Will. Will's got his white 
his chunky white heel attorney pump on, okay? And he's looking at Maddie. Grace Lily just said that she didn't see anything. So why is it that you're trying to change her answer? Why are you trying to convince her otherwise, Maddie? Why are you doing that? And then he's just like on one. He put two of those heels on and just doing a full lap, okay? He was in a full sprint. So then Maddie, Maddie, who has like been hanging her hat, her beanie, on the fact that Bradley definitely cheated on his girlfriend. This relationship ended because of this rumor. She said she went into this alleyway with four other people like they were fucking coming out of the mystery machine. And Scooby-Doo saw it too. And that they saw him getting his dick sucked at the roundup in the dumpster, outside of the dumpster, by the dumpster, next to the dumpster. I'm not sure. Doesn't matter. Okay. But dick sucked. And now all of this is blowing up in Maddie's face. And she's like, well, I don't even think this matters anymore. Ma'am, no. (laughs) I don't think we can say that it doesn't matter anymore. Yes, it does. But then we move on because attorney Will is still going, okay? And he's like, well, I just feel like that was low of you, Joe. Showing that group chat to Maddie because it blew up the trust with everybody, right? But Maddie's like, well, I actually think it's not cool of you guys for not coming up to me and bringing this up in a group text without me, which is a fair enough point. But Will says, no, the truth is we were concerned. And Maddie's like, okay, but none of you guys have been my friend for the past year, so you're actually not concerned at all. So then Will's like, Joe, did you show her that text where you called her a narcissist? Because I have the screenshots of that. Maddie, I can airdrop them right now if you need me to. So all Joe could be like is, shut the fuck up. And then the screen pops up showing the screenshot saying, it looks like it's, I'm assuming this is between just Will and Joe. The Will says, everybody has different forms of narcissism. And Joe responds, yeah, there's different levels. Maddie, Grace, and Mikkel are way worse. I think lack of empathy is the scariest part. Or is that sociopath? And then Will responds, responds yeah, that's a sociopath. <laughs> So then Will gets his attorney panties on, okay? And they're like a high cut, like a French cut, okay? He came with receipts, proof, timeline, screenshots, everything. So all Joe Bradley can say was, no, I was concerned about, um, I was, I was concerned about, and he just keeps wiping his brow and Mia goes over to him and says, um, maybe you need to think about what you say before you say it because you say a lot of bullshit, sir. So he's just like mumbling about like, no, I was actually doing a good thing. And even Grace Lily is like, no, Joe Bradley, I do have to say you do play both sides of the fence. You know, you need to start picking a side, pick a wall boots. Okay. Finally, Joe Bradley is able to spit out anything at all. (laughs) Poor baby. (laughs) He's out of his league. (laughs) and god bless him for it he's like no i I had good intentions that's basically all he could say you know but then will hits him right back with well you also called her trash and i can airdrop her those screenshots too and so joe's like well shut the fuck up (laughs) shut the fuck up will (laughs) and this really begs the question of like how is it that Joe Bradley and Will were able to be besties for so long? Because it just feels like, how do I say this? It just feels like the, the, the playing ground is maybe a little uneven. You know what I mean? Oh, Sheen 
does some half-hearted attempt at being like, everybody, like, you guys need to back up on the Maddie bashing. Like, I've been a better friend to her, you know, than you guys have all been. And they're like, yeah, whatever, dude. You've only been here, like, five minutes. He's like, yeah, well. So, <laughs> Grace is me. She's very me-coded. Can we get dessert, you guys? Because I want a lava cake and some ice cream. So, Maddie gets up because, you know, she's got nobody at this point. Joe can't be reliable. He can barely... God bless him. Emmy starts crying and says, you know, like, I understand that she didn't like the group chat thing, but, like, <laughs> Joe, you shouldn't show her. And, and, like, the way it's been translated is just, like, really fucked up. Joe grabs one of those, like, napkins, you know, those cloth napkins that you get at a restaurant and just, like, dabs her eyes. <laughs> Joe Bradley is nothing if not a romantic, right? Will tells Joe, you fucked up. You really fuck up. Maddie comes back. She's circling the block and says, you know, at the end of the day, I just like everybody wish. I just wish that everybody like had conversations between them. Like, I wish that we had had one on one conversations instead of, you know, all of you guys without me. It's very clear that half of you guys weren't even nice to me. Right. (laughs) So then (laughs) Mia tries to knock some sense into Maddie and Maddie goes into her, like, Lala Kent style of fighting. Like, you guys don't know who I am. I'm Maddie Reese. I never want to see you guys again. And Mia's like, okay, well, I'll see you on the flight tomorrow. And Maddie goes, well, I'll change my flight, bitch. How much How much you guys want to bet that that does not happen? Okay. <laughs> Jim Bradley is schwartzing out. And by that, I mean, he's just looking around, sweating, rubbing his mouth, restless leg syndrome you know the whole package right and then I really had to giggle and also like again how could these two be friends because Will really gets into Joe Bradley's ass at this point and he's like so Joe what was the conversation that even led to you showing her this group chat or did you just decide to randomly betray us okay And Joe tries to be like, well, I don't remember. This happened, like, so long ago. And Will goes, okay, well, that's interesting because you do seem to remember parts of this and then not remembering things when you need to explain it. So that's interesting. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? The the pumps and the panties are on. And it is giving attorney at this point. I, I'm trusting Will. I think he's a great litigator. So Grace follows after Maddie. And I was wondering, like, damn, I hope she really got her lava cake order in before she ran after her. Because, you know, sometimes those take time. they got to heat it up in the oven. It's like, you know, they're like, oh, 8 to 12 minutes. Is that okay? And, you know, you got to make a choice, right? So then Maddie has somehow, between um, circling the block and making it like a third of the way to the parking lot, has come up with this theory that the whole group was plotting against Joe Bradley. Like, they roped him into some group chat where they could force him to talk shit about her and then kicked him out of said group chat. And then honestly, I'm not really sure where her theory went on from that. Again, I'm not really sure why she thinks anybody would put this much energy towards this type of behavior specifically, but it's okay. You know, like she even had to ask Grace Lily at this point, do you know what I mean? And granted, I do know that this is Grace Lily and more often than not, the answer to that was probably no, respectfully. But Grace Lily just blinks at her. And I knew that in that moment, that wasn't just like regular Grace not knowing. This was like, you're my friend and I'm not going to say I don't know what the fuck you're talking about because I don't agree with it. 
so I'm just gonna blink and let you rant because you don't really care about my answer anyway you know like you just you just want to get it out you know so really Grace was being a great friend to her so then Maddie leaves and everybody's like Maddie or, or no Maddie leaves she's saying I'm leaving Grace goes back to the group and everybody's like Grace are you okay she's like yeah I just want some creme brulee honestly <laughs> and again I, I really fucked with that She's like, I want some creme brulee. I want to keep the vibes going. But I do need to drop a little bomb with you guys. Um, Trevor's here. So then they, like, skirt back to two minutes beforehand. And apparently we see, God bless her, Grace, the only reason why she ran over to Maddie was not to comfort her as a friend. It was because she had to tell her, yo, Trevor just texted me. And you need to know. And he was like, where are you guys? So we get this, like unfortunately like 80s style you know guy posted up at the end of the uh, his drop top car his white convertible his um white jeans from the carl radke collection just like a little bit distressed but very tight right grace is now shoveling that creme brulee into her mouth just like uh, everybody's asking questions of like wait why is trevor here he just got here what how what I don't know. He just pulled up in a drop-top Audi. <laughs> what the hell's going on? Lucia's like, wait, does he own that? And she's like, no, he rented it. So then we go over to the parking lot where Maddie's crying. And Trevor's like, why are you crying? Is it because I'm here? She's like, kind of. <laughs> and then she goes on to be like, no, I'm just feeling really very like ambushed right now. And like, dude, it's so fucked up. And Trevor's like, you know, I've been telling you, like, you really need to stop talking to them. I've been telling you, man. So they, like, get off and, oh, I hate those cars. Those kind of cars where they rev up and they're so fucking loud. I hate that. It is such, I don't know if this is politically correct to say anymore, but I'm going to say it. Small dick energy. Those, like, engines. Like, why do you need your engine to be 48,000 decibels just turning a corner? into a residential street like why do you need that it's sick it's sick and and honestly Kamala Kamala why are we doing anything about that anyway so then they like ride off into the sunset like Bonnie and Clyde or whatever if Bonnie and Clyde listen to you know Marshmallow (laughs) and Do you guys know that this really affected everybody and they were so pissed off and it ruined their whole night? Just kidding. They sit there. They're like, well, dessert's done. We still want to have fun and go out. So bye. And then that's the end of the night. I love this show. And I hope you guys do too. I believe it may have ended on a to be continued. Why? I don't know. But we'll see. I can't wait. All right. Let's move on to traders. I mean, is that it's always like a little bit extra. Like, have you seen her? uh, that's, That's true. I'm very extra, baby. I do too much because you do too little. But tonight, you're doing way too much because you know you're getting ready to get banished. So you're trying to put the heat on me, which is a crock of BS. You're Big Brother winner not once, but twice. Almost twice. Well, either way, you have knowledge of this game. So if there was really a mastermind, it sure wouldn't be a, a dolled-up housewife, baby. That would not be it. Let's not forget, Burgalicious voted for you last night. And who got the murder one? Burgalicious. Why? Because Dan thought that he was able to be murdered. Is that not correct? 
All right, you guys, let's finish up with the traders. I have not been so pleased with a show in I don't know how long, like every episode. I don't expect an eight out of 10 or above, and yet they're giving it to us every ball. And I just like, I just feel very blessed, you know, very blessed and very like highly favored. Okay, so let's get into the latest episode. Just so good. So last we left off, Peter had this plan to tell the people that he thinks are the traitors. Oh, uh, I actually got the shield of protection during that challenge that we were like, oh, we decided to go like all Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants about and not tell everybody who got the shield. I actually did, Bessie. Don't tell anybody, okay? So now they're getting to the breakfast table, and it's like just flawless victory on Peter and really Bergie. Bergie is like the pip into his Jordan. Shout out to Larsa and Marcus, but um, it's just flawless, right? Dan is on this like bubble throat, no risk, no reward, like ultra valiant man, whatever kind of stuff he's on. Saying, like, you know, if I don't do this, like, you know, I could come out a hero. Like, I don't know, though. You know, no risk, no reward. Phaedra walks into the breakfast table. She's saying to us in a confessional, she's a little bit frustrated that Dan chose Bergie. Because, you know, I really adore Burgalicious. I think he's a sweet man. It's so kind. But everybody's got to die. So Peter walks in so confident, which is literally, like, all I need just be above six foot one and exude any sort of believable confidence and that's it and it's sad but you know the first step is being honest okay and so I admitted it so he's like all confident right and and the chain too the chain the chain wasn't hurting um so he's like I think this is gonna work right so he's one of the last people to come in and so everybody's thinking Okay, there are only two people left now, right? So in walks in John from the House of Commons and Trishel. And everybody's like, oh, crazy. Bergie died. Peter goes up to Trishel, who also had the shield of protection, and shakes her hand and is like, game on. It worked. So now Phaedra's like, damn, I love my Bergalicious. And the door says, bang, 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 banging. In walks Bergie. All light and bright, or a little Care Bear. I've got the shield, guys. And Dan is just like, wow. Well, (laughs) Sheree, as usual, no clue what's going on. Okay, not a clue. What the hell? So now Bergie kicks it over to Peter, right? Like, they're truly alley-ooping to each other. I've been learning basketball, y'all. And Bergie kicks it over to Peter, and Peter tells everybody, Here was what my plan was, you guys. I only told this to three people. So Sandra hears this and is like, wait, wait, wait. Who did you leak the story to? And then it starts going down like dominoes, right? Like everybody at the table is like, well, I didn't hear it. I didn't hear it. Neither did I, right? Parvati and Dan decide to be like, well, he did tell me. But like, I'm not a traitor. It wasn't me. I, I don't know. Like, I swear. I swear to God. Okay. And then I start to die. Like, I truly ascended out of my body. Why did Alan Cumming walk in with a red tartan kilt, as you would expect? No surprises there. Primary blue pussy blow 
pussy bow blouse. Again, no surprise, right? Matching blue beret. And this little beret bang. I was like, I... (laughs) Just a little curl. And I just, in my mind's eye, I went to the design choices behind this, the styling choices. And they were like, okay, you're going to sleep in this beret, okay? We're just going to let just a little, just a finger, a finger worth of hair out from under. We're going to put it in one of those old school pink sponge curlers, right? And just put it in. And then when we're ready to get you right on set, we'll just take it out, babe. And that's it. And it, it just held on tight. And his dog had one. <laughs> and they, the, I think it was the fact that it was just so ridiculous to me. And nobody addressed the bang. The bang, if you will. And it just really took me down. Like, every time it was blowing in the wind at one point, And I just, like, I couldn't even contain myself. Like, it just gave me so much joy so to whoever does like styling or costuming hair makeup down to the traders u.s you deserve all of your flowers okay if you don't get an emmy for this just know that i'm giving you an everyone's business but mine award for excellence in television after that dan and parvati decide to do what i've seen in my little you know, tenure of watching Big Brother, I've seen happen before, right? Which is somebody's got the protection, they're like the head bitch in charge, and they're pleading their case. Like, there are two people that need to plead their case, so they're not kicked out of the house, right? So Parvati takes her first shot. Parvati, babe. Her only line of defense is, Peter, um, well, you... If you have been planting seeds this whole time, then how do I know that you're not a traitor? So, how's that? And so Peter's like, okay, um, cool. Is there anything at all that you can give me that might make me think that you're not a traitor? And she's like, oh, well, no. But what I will say is that everybody is going to say that they're not traitors. You're going to say it. I'm going to say it. So, that too. And Peter's like, girl, I am trying to work with you. Can you say anything at all? You're not giving me anything. And so she just gets up and leaves. <laughs> I don't know if that worked, babe. Dan goes in next with his purple blazer, his Giselle Bryant signature fuchsia blazer. He says in a confessional, bubble throat again, the time for being passive is over. And like, He's been playing this game too low-key, and now it's time to steer the ship. So his only defense with Peter is, we used to be so close. Like, I just wonder what went wrong with us. (laughs) Daniel, Peter is like, well, to be honest with you, Dan, I kind of always thought you were a traitor, so there's literally nothing you can say to me at this point to make me think otherwise. Sorry, girl. He also keeps taking, Dan, these long sips. Like, you know when you get those ginger shots, morning little shots, defense, immunity defense shots, those little, they're like a sip and a half worth. He keeps, during this conversation, taking these long gulps out of that ounce and a half of juice. Like, sir, you're clearly lying. You're trying to stall out with these long sips of 0.02 0.02 liquid ounces. I see right through you, sir. So we'll move on to the challenge, which is to... I, like, I truly cannot believe nobody has, like, had a full 
cardiac arrest at this point. I'm worried about John. I'm, like, keeping my eyes on him at all times. So they have the castle is on this, like, rolling hill, this property. So they have to find a catapult, the pieces to a catapult that are just strewn about about, about this plot of land. And they have to piece the catapult together. And when I mean, like, I'm talking, like, a 20-foot-tall catapult so they're having to pick up these steel beams that six of them are having to carry like I would not be doing this to be honest with you for twenty thousand dollars and it's like eight of us still that's like five four fifty after taxes and I just don't know if it's worth it and I know that they're getting like an actor's fee or whatever you know union fee that they're getting god bless them but even still Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. So anyway, Sheree is dressed like one of the women of the UPS centerfold. Do they have a calendar? I'm not sure. But if they did, that's what Sheree looked like. She was giving navy blue hat, navy blue zip down hoodie, right? The gray blue pants, right? It Like they had um, these bags. So she had like an over the shoulder, <laughs> not over, like crossbody bag. Like it was really giving on it. Like she could have given September. See, I didn't. I walked right into that. I genuinely didn't want to do like a September, spring, summer, but I, you know, when the spirit calls you, <laughs> you have to answer. You know, <laughs> she looked beautiful. I'm. This is no shade. She looked very pretty. Anyway, it's on and popping. There's like a lot of running. Like I said, the beret bang is blowing in the Scottish wind. It's really taking me out. Kate is complaining. The same way that I would be complaining, but here's the difference is Kate willingly goes on these shows and complains. I know not to even step foot on that plane to begin with, right? Like, it's not even worth the Biscoff cookie and then ginger ale because I don't want to do this stuff. But anyway, she's walking around complaining because she doesn't, like, want to move. She's like, why can't we just hang out in the castle? I was like, well, why do you think, girl? Then they discover that their first thing, like, this is what fucks me up. They get to running thinking all they have to do is run and they run like a good third of a mile and then they get to this like six foot, 12 foot wide rushing river and they're like, oh, we have to cross that? Cool. 
Thanks, Alan. So now they're having to, like, help each other. They're linking arms. And it's like, they're all teaming up. We're all in this together, high school musical style. Not so much with Trishel. It was the funniest thing where Trishel and Kevin from Bling Empire are lovable doofus, are linked arm in arm. And she's, like, acting like such a weak little fawn, you know? Our little doe. He's helping her as best he can. And then she notices that they're being strewn about, like, as incentive. There are these, like, shield boxes that people can carry along, that they're also heavy as shit. And they can get a shot at having a shield of protection for this challenge, right? So she sees one right across, just around the river bend, and is like, oh, I want to go get that. And basically runs so quickly that Kevin from Bling Empire practically drowns in the river because she runs so quickly. He, he like, wasn't even able to stabilize himself. <laughs> She's like, she went from literally zero to 100 so quickly. It was very funny. And then Phaedra was pushing it a little bit, okay? Because she's in the river with CT like, oh, I'm scared. Baby voice. So CT can hold her up like in the arms of an angel. And then at one point, they're walking in the river, in the woods rather, out of the river, dry as a bone seemingly, just holding hands. Like this is an episode of fucking Dawson's Creek or something. No thank you, okay? Not too much. Anyway, so then there's like... Bunch of people going for these qualification boxes for the shield, right? And then they find out that they have to carry the box to these bales of hay to officially qualify, right? Kate gets the last one, but she's sort of hemming and hawing and was like, all I have to do is just carry it over like seven inches and put it on there and it's mine. But, well... I just feel like it's kind of desperate to fight for a shield. So she just drops it, plops it on the ground. Pete goes running for it. So now it's like two challenges, right? They first have to hit the target anywhere with the catapult, and then they win the $20,000. They get it. John is the one who, I don't know, what do you, push, pull the catapult? Whatever you do, he ends up getting it, right? And this is like... It seems like it means a lot to him, and I know that John's British, and, like, I think catapults were, like, a big thing back in the day, so I'm gonna let him have that, but, like, it just, I couldn't relate to how much that meant to him. I I just really couldn't. After that, then, the people who have the boxes, whoever gets closest to the center, the bullseye, ends up getting the shield for the challenge. Sheree, I mean, Mrs. Magoo's her way through this whole challenge she ends up winning it out of like the six people that go through including peter and like a bunch of other people the way this woman keeps failing her up in the show is just like truly it's my b storyline that i just i i can't get enough of parvati i'm told by you guys is like a legend a legendary mother in the game like plays the game of Big Brother Survivor, I can't remember, apparently really well. She is flailing to me in this gameplay, and I don't see people agreeing with me on that, but this episode really was making me cackle because she's now getting more and more annoyed because she knows now that Peter's, like, hot on her scent, right? And so she's like, you just think he's 
so great. Like, who does he think he is? He is the faithful of all faithfuls, blah, blah, blah. He thinks he knows everything. And it's like, yeah, girl, he does. He's on to you. That's why you're bothered. You're acting like you have no idea. Like He's just some smart ass who's bothering you for no reason. Ma'am, you guys were on a show called The Traitors. The whole point is to sniff your ass out. And sorry. At this point in the show, Pete has like a small little gaggle of bad bitches and faithfuls that are like all kind of grouped up alliance. And now Parvati's not only pissed off at Peter, she's also pissed off at the fact that he's got like this gaggle of bad bitches, right? So she goes up to said gaggle, right? And she's like trying her defense again. The same defense that she tried in the first place, which is basically like, well, how do I know that you're not a traitor? But this time she's trying it in front of everybody in the group who are now 1000% convinced that she is a traitor. So they're just staring at her like, okay, if you need to let this out, sure, but it's over. And then Dan tries it again with Peter and he's like, listen, I'm just waiting for, I'm just asking for an open ear. You know, when I state my case later, I have been working on this one person. I've been building up a case. And when we get to that round table, I really want you to consider what I'm saying, right? And then this man says in a confessional, you know, I I came out of retirement for a decade for this. So I'm going to be a big shot, but this is what I do. And when I hit them with a left hook, I'll knock them out. Sir, you're not Sugar Ray Leonard coming back to the ring for one last boxing match like calm down you were on two seasons of a show not even back to back I don't think and even if you were I'm only giving you like 40% credit for that like that's not that's not really too much carryover okay it's like doing respectfully like two seasons of a lifeguarding two summers you know it's like okay I got it right so he's like Truly acting like he's that bitch. I I dusted it off my retirement and I'm coming back. I'm coming back, okay? And I'm I'm gonna make sure I don't miss. So then we get to the right right the round table, right? Dan starts, has the floor immediately. Alright, I'll say this. Since day one I've been watching one person, and it's time for that to come out. Like he's Miss Big Panties. Let's play a little game, you guys. I have a question for everybody. Raise your hand if your name has been written down at least once on this chalkboard. So, like, a bunch of people raise their hands, and that leaves, like, several people. Like, Sheree, Bergie, Phaedra, Sandra, Parvati. None of them have been, had their names written on this chalkboard. So he says, you know, that's not enough to convict someone, but that is where I'm starting. Next thing, I'm going to look at some voting patterns. Has anybody voted on anything a little weird? Let's start with Sandra. She's out of the equation because she's explained her reasoning for every vote she's had. Sheree had that one weird vote with John, but she explained it, so she's out. Bergie just kind of votes with the crowd, so that leaves Parvati and Phaedra. Parvati, your only vote outside of the norm was for Kevin, but you explained what that was about, so that leaves one person. Phaedra. Phaedra looks at him like her mouth is just swelling up with cuss words that she's dying to unleash, but she's keeping them in, right? So Dan goes on with his performance to be like, 
you know, Phaedra, her weird vote was for Ekansu, which she had no explanation for. And then the next day, she was gone. But that's still not enough. I also considered the breakfast reactions that Phaedra had. Like, she went to comfort Larsa after Marcus was murdered, or, you know, when Tamar got voted out, she said, oh, they're coming for the housewives, and... Oh, when Bergie, they thought he was died. She's like, oh, not my Burgalicious. Another weird breakfast reaction. But the most suspect is that you don't ever get brought up as a traitor because everyone likes you. So now Phaedra is seething, okay? She's fucking livid. So she's like, oh, so you've been watching me since day one, okay? So then Dan asks her, like, why do you think nobody's ever tried to vote you out? Why, how do you explain your vote for Ekansu? So Phaedra was like, everybody knows that I voted for Ekansu because she and Janelle had some issues. Everybody knows that. So then Dan is like, well, what about the breakfast reactions? And at that point, Kate is like, Dan, are you serious? Like, her saying not my burgalicious was problematic for you? That's what you got? And Dan's like, well, what about Marcus? And they're like, what, she was comforting... The girlfriend, after her boyfriend got murdered? I don't understand this, Dan. What is the logic? Uh, well, the logic um, is that she's, like, kind of extra. And Kate screams, have you seen Phaedra? <laughs> so then Phaedra now t- takes the baton from Kate and is like, yeah, I'm very extra. And I do too much because you do too little. But tonight... You're doing way too much because you know you're about to get it ready to get banished. So you're trying to take the heat and put it on me, which is crock of BS. You're a big brother winner. Not once, but twice. And then Dan goes, well, almost twice. (laughs) Phaedra goes, okay, well, either way. You have knowledge of this game. So if there was a mastermind, it would be you, not the dolled up housewife. And let's not forget, Burgalish is voted for you and who got the murder burgalicious <laughs> so this is his christian name why because you dan thought he was able to be murdered is that not correct and then you know case closed okay this is her how to get away with murder annalise keating moment like pack up your little business bag whatever you call it <laughs> And waddle away like the duck and diva that you are, okay? So then she continues on. Bergie also goes on. Is like, well, I actually think that if Phaedra was a traitor, she would maybe want to keep me around because I trust her. And Phaedra's like, yeah, exactly. Which actually she maybe should have shut up about that because that kind of puts the, a, the arrow in her direction because she didn't vote for him, right? So she goes goes on to Dan, but no one trusts you, darling. And I don't even know anything about that shield. So Peter's like, well, obviously the three that I told, it's got to be one of the three of you, right? And honestly, I don't even think it's CT. I think this might actually be my last night because I've been so bold and I think I'm on to you guys. So he tells everybody at the round table, uh, See, in case I die tonight, use my death as proof. 
It's like the brave heart <laughs> of the traitors. So then Parvati starts talking too much again. Yap, yap, yapping about, I was trusting Dan. And um, Peter's like, you guys don't listen to her. She's trying to separate herself right now. Don't do this. Okay, don't buy into her. And Parvati's like, oh, excuse me. Excuse me. It does not feel good to be falsely excused. Actually, it's very off-putting. <laughs> This is extremely off-putting, Peter. So if you could just knock it off. Obviously, we don't even have to go through the votes, right? It's practically unanimous. Dan's ass gets banished. He goes into this, like, long, whatever. I've been in Big Brother twice, out of retirement, blah, blah, blah. I think I'm good at the game. Unfortunately for me, I am a traitor. Everybody cheers. It's like our Finally, we've got it. We got a traitor moment, right? It's incredible. Phaedra's acting like, oh, this is incredible. Shockingly enough, Trishel is the only person to say in a confessional. I think that Phaedra actually might be a traitor because Dan was really willing to throw her under the bus. And I think he was doing that as like a, a, a throwing it to us. A little tell, right? Like, I'm going to throw you a little shark while I go under. Another hilarious thing is that Parvati keeps telling on herself, and after that round table, she goes to Pete again, you guys, and that little group of faithfuls. And it's like, well, <laughs> what are you guys doing over here? <laughs> surprise, surprise. You guys are all hanging out with each other. Wow, Peter, you're a real bloodhound. Just kind of weird that you guys would, like, close the door and all hang out together because you know, you're just, like, putting off a lot of people, okay? Just, just letting you know. Uh, people have been talking, and you're really putting it off. Mostly me. Only me. So what are you doing, Peter? <laughs> This bitch cannot keep it cool. And that's why I'm like, how is she good on her show? Because she is truly sweating under the pressure, like real bad. So finally, we get to the end of the episode. The traitors get back to the turret, right? And Phaedra's like, ooh, poverty. I am pissed. And if I wasn't a Christian woman, I would have ripped his heart out. <laughs> so Phaedra asks poverty. Do you think we should just do the obvious and kill Peter? Like, you might not have a choice at this point, girl, because he's hot on your trail. Alan interrupts them, walks in in the middle of their discussion to tell them, y'all actually have two choices tonight. You can either choose to murder somebody or you can send a letter to any one of the faithfuls asking them if they want to be recruited as a traitor. If they accept, they're in tonight, but they have the right to decline it. So at this point, like I'm saying, like, Parvati's, like, so feral now. She's drunk with power at the idea of, like, having options with Peter. Because she was fully, like, ready to just murder him to try to save herself. Even though that would be so fucking obvious. And, like, is it really... Like, at that point, you might as well just keep him. Because as soon as everybody's like, oh, he's murdered, okay, obviously Parvati, and you're just going to stay until everybody votes you out that night anyway. So what's the point? You did all that work on the challenge earlier that day. No reward on that. So anyway, so she's like, like I said, drunk with power, right? We got to make a drastic choice. We're going to try to recruit Peter because that's my best chance at staying alive. And I don't think it is. So Pedro tells Parvati, listen, girl. Do what you got to do. I'm just going to follow you because you're the one in your deathbed. I'm walking into the hospital. You're in the ICU. <laughs> so Parvati's like, all right, girl, well, let's 
light this place on fire. And Phaedra goes, well, light it on fire, Parvati. <laughs> so the episode ends. Peter sits in the chair where everybody finds out they're getting murdered. He reads his recruitment letter, right? And he's just sitting there kind of like ruminating back and forth. I don't really know what to do because I kind of feel like if I don't accept this, then I'm going to be murdered. I kind of feel like Peter still has the upper hand in this because if he says to everybody the next morning, yo, they tried to recruit me as a traitor, clearly that's Parvati, then she gets out and then he has the upper hand. Like, there's really no way for him to lose. So I hope he doesn't go for it, but I'm waiting. I'm, I'm really excited, you guys. All right. I hope you have a good day. I'll be back later with Vanderpump Rules and Housewives Friday. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank me for speaking. Love you. Bye.